and obviously on such a, uh, an important weekend, um, for no reason in particular, they're all important, right? It's every single time we gather together, it's always important. But, uh, but we want to uh, introduce our first um, uh, weekend of the series Burning Love. And, uh, you, you know, when I say the, the series title is called Burning Love, there's probably a lot of different reactions in the room, you know, depending on where you're at in life. Um, and that's okay, right? Um, some of you might be kind of like um, <clears throat> thinking, you know, really what's love got to do? Got to do with it? I mean, what is love really but a, but a secondhand emotion? Uh, what's love got to do with it? Um, I've traveled so far. Anyway, uh, some of you might be like thinking, um, you know, in my life there's been heartache and pain. I don't know if I can face it again. Um, can't stop now. I've traveled so far. <laughs> to change this lonely life. Who are we kidding? Come on, I love to sing. I want to know what love is. Anyway. <laughs> Some of you are uh, in a place where it's like, more like, what is love, love? Don't hurt me. No more. <laughs> But in all seriousness, some of you have been hurt and are reluctant when it comes to that topic. Some of you are here, and man, you're loving it. You're like, you know, I'm sitting next to that person, and I can just feel confidently that, and I will always love you. I will love. Anyway, thank you, thank you, thank you. I thought about having them pull up the tracks for that. I'm like, no, it's just too much fun to do it myself. So <laughs> but hey, it really is true that uh, you know, all of us are probably approaching a series called Burning Love from a lot of different places. And obviously I make a lot of it. But uh, the fact of, of hurt and disappointment uh, is real. Uh, life can be painful. And, uh, and so perhaps you're coming to it from a place of like, ah, I just, I don't know if I can, you know, if I'm ready to, open my heart up and talk about love a whole lot, not just romantic love, but just love in general, uh, loving God, loving people, whatever. Uh, others are like, man, I'm, I'm on a cloud and, you know, like the Beatles, you know, all you need is love. I mean, it's great, you know, believe in it, let's go, preach it, you know. Uh, but I believe that God has a word for all of us, no matter where we fall in that continuum, and, uh, and God's going to speak to us about it. Um, I want to read to you just a portion of Scripture that I believe is going to serve as a theme uh, for this entire series, and it's found in Matthew chapter 22, beginning with verse 34, and it was Jesus uh, speaking, it says these words, hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together, and one of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Wow. Pretty powerful statement, right? All the law and the prophets. So you got to understand, that's really summarizing uh, thousands of years of Jewish history. It's summarizing volumes and volumes of, of written information and revelation from God as to how to please God and how God wants us to live. And, you know, and now you've got this guy saying, you know what, all that stuff really kind of comes down to just these two things. Love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And I think it kind of begs the question, like, who does he think he is that he can summarize that into two very simple statements? But I believe he believed he was God, First of all, so he kind of invented love, 
Um, that's a plus. Uh, and, uh, you know, 1 John 4, 16 says this. Uh, Whoever loves, lives in love, lives in God because God is love, right? So I believe that when Jesus speaks of love, he wrote the book on it, literally. He, he invented it. He is God. Uh, he designed it. He fashioned it. Secondly, I believe that he speaks with authority because he modeled it. It's easy to talk about something, right, and, and go, hey, here's what you should do or whatever, but it takes someone who actually is willing to walk the talk and to live it out to truly speak with authority. And I believe we all agree, or at least if you believe that Jesus is who he said he was, it's okay if you don't yet. If you're here exploring that, that's great. You're welcome here. But those of us that have come to believe that, wow, you know what, Jesus is who he said he was, that he laid down his life for the sheep. He laid down his life for his friends. He modeled what it truly means to love. So on the, on the basis of both of those things, his authority as God, and, and truly the fact that he modeled love, he speaks with great authority, and we can believe what he says, that you know what, okay, if you say it, I believe it. All this stuff that seemed like it was somewhat complicated and, you know, took a lot of time to learn all the different things, really comes down to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind and love your neighbor as yourself. So that's why we're jumping in to this series. But we're not just talking love. We added that little descriptive phrase of burning love, right? Burning love. And I believe that burning adds just another connotation to it, another level to it. And I looked up in the Merriam-Webster definition uh, what burn means, and it had these three things. To consume fuel and give off heat, light, and I hesitate to mention this last one because... Anyway, it's, and gases, um, and I just, I know with guys in the room, it's, you're just going to think, it's not that. Anyway, but to consume fuel and give off heat, light, and gas. Uh, number two, to be hot. And number three, to undergo alteration or destruction by the action of fire or heat. And it's interesting because I think, wow, you know, burning love, <laughs> right there in the definition of burn, I think there's a lot there. We're not going to obviously unpack that all, but just let it soak in a little bit of it's the idea of to consume fuel, right? We're going to talk today actually about what our fuel source is for loving God. But fire requires a fuel. It needs to be always burning something. There needs to be something feeding it for it to not only survive but to grow to be hot, I mean, we use that as far as passion, right? To be hot for someone, or hopefully if you're married, you've, you're hot for your husband or for your wife or whatnot. But what about that last one? To undergo alteration or destruction. I don't believe God wants to destroy anybody, maybe destroy our flesh, our sinful desires, but to undergo alteration because of fire or heat. Wow, I believe that how accurate that is. It's impossible to experience and walk in burning love without being changed by it. And that's exactly what God is calling us to. So that's the kind of love that it talks about in Matthew 22. And uh, I don't know about you, but if you're in any kind of friendship or long-term, you know, relationship or just have people that you care about, would you agree with this? That love must be growing and changing in order for it to survive. You know what I mean? It can't just stay stagnant. It feels like inertia is kind of pulling us back. And if we're truly going to choose to love that friend or to love that person in our life or to love, you know, that coworker or that boss or that employee or, or that pastor, you know, whoever it is, right? We've got to make choices. We've got to move forward. We've got to grow and exert energy and, and fuel that love. And so that's what we want to talk about today is what is our fuel source when it comes to loving the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, 
and with all of our mind. And uh, <clears throat> I believe that the first thing that we want to share with you is this. We need to celebrate the benefits. We need to celebrate the benefits if we're truly going to experience burning love in our lives. I think most um, friendships begin at some level with an understanding that someone brings some value to my life, right? I mean, it sounds a little bit selfish, doesn't it? But be honest, right? If, if, if you remember, you know, meeting someone for the first time and something in you decided like, man, I'd like to have coffee with that person, you know? Or maybe you met them at a, at a bunco party like we had last night, you know, at the church. And it's like, oh man, I love their laugh. <laughs> you know, it's like, I really want to be around that more. You know, whatever, you know? The way they shout, traveler, traveler, you know, whatever. Um, whatever it was, it, there must have been something that brought a sense of attraction, a sense of benefit, a sense of joy, a sense of value to my life, right? And when I met my wife, I mean, there was no question about it. It was like, wow, just looking at her brings value. Being seen with her brings value, elevates me. And I had no idea of the value she actually was going to bring. 25 years later, almost, um, this September, it's like, wow, I feel like I'm just discovering, seriously, like the heart she has for our staff the way that she has an administrative mind and a management mindset. She's able to mentor. She's able to care about people and remember what they're going through and what their goal is and where they were wanting to be six months from now. And, hey, have you followed up with them? And maybe it's time to have that conversation. But I'm like, slow down, professor. You know, she keep, but I mean, seriously, God has gifted her in so many ways as a help meet for me. And I'm just, I mean, literally 25 years later, discovering the benefits she brings. God wants us to do that with him. And that is something very powerful when it comes to developing a burning love with God. Listen to what Psalm 103, verses 1 through 5 says. Praise the Lord, my soul. I'd like to add, oh, my soul, because this version took it out. I'm going to read it anyway, so you have to forgive me. Praise the Lord, oh, my soul. All my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, oh, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. And then it goes into starting to describe them. Who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. Who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Wow. It's inviting us right there to say, you know what? Celebrate God's goodness. Celebrate His benefits in our lives. The re every relationship has to begin somewhere, and we've got to be aware of what His benefits are if we're going to truly commit to growing in love with Him, right? And right there we have listed five benefits. But guess what? The Bible is chock full from cover to cover of benefits that God brings to our life. And we find out He's a comforter. We find out that He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. We find out that he guides us and, excuse me, and he leads us. We find out that he counsels us. We find out that he gives us wisdom. We find out so many things about God, right? That he encourages the brokenhearted. That he gives sight to our eyes, that he gives wisdom. All the things that he does for us is a place that can really begin to develop burning love. That's the reason we have birthdays, right? And, and anniversaries is to celebrate the value someone has for us. Even parties at work, yeah, you know, the boss has been here 15 years. And everybody's like, yay, you know. I wonder how much longer he's going to last, you know. Hopefully most parties aren't like that, right? I mean, hopefully most things are genuinely a celebration of the value 
that someone or that an event has, even on national holidays, right? Memorial holiday or different days, it's like, wow, thank you, God, for the sacrifice of those people. Or thank you for George Washington, because he was the first president, you know? Yay, I don't have to work today and stuff like that, you know? Um, We celebrate. God wants us to do that with him. But here's the deal. In order to celebrate him, we've got to first discover his benefits, right? David, uh, excuse me, well, I don't know if it was David, actually. It was the psalmist in Psalm 119, verse 18, says this. Open my eyes so that I may see the wonderful truths in your law. Open my eyes, God, so that I may see the wonderful things in your law or in your word. You know what? God wants us to ask him, Lord, I want to I discover new things about you every day that I can worship, that I can celebrate. Man, there's so many benefits. I mean, I know a few of them. Maybe if I said, hey, can you write down a list of 10 benefits of, of, of loving Jesus and of having God, you know, in your life? We would all probably be able to do that, but what if I said, hey, let's write down 500, you know, or 5,000 benefits? I don't know. I don't know if I could, but you know what? Why not spend the rest of our lives discovering those amazing things that God wants to be and that he already has done for us. That is what fuels burning love. Here's the deal. There's another Psalm, Psalm 29, uh, verses 7 and 8, that says this. Excuse me, verses 1 and 2. Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory to his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. That word ascribe means to credit something. Like when you're doing accounting, any accountants in the house? Hey, this is your season. We thank you. We salute you. Thank you for everything you do for us. Thank you for crunching those numbers so that we don't have to. Unless you use TurboTax. I mean, you still, it's kind of a headache. But anyway, um, but the deal is, you know, when you account for something, you go in and you're like, okay, these are the expenses we had and these are the things that, you know, the money that came in and the money that went out and the receipts and all that. You're ascribing. You're making sure you have an accurate account of the things of value that came in to your budget, and obviously the things, hopefully, of value that, that were spent. And God is saying, hey, I want you to do that with me. I want you to take time to think about my benefits and actually kind of play the role of an accountant a little bit and go, wow, God, you've forgiven my sins. Man, that's in the plus category. Man, God, you've healed me. That's in the plus column. Man, God, you've comforted me and been a friend. That's in the plus column. Man, you've given me salvation. Man, you've given me identity. You've given me purpose. And I start writing the things and ascribing to the Lord. The glory to his name. I'm telling you what, if we begin to do that, it will begin to stir something in us. And it's like that, that, that lighter fluid in the fire. It's the very first thing that, that really can ignite, just like with somebody else in our lives. When we begin to do that, we begin to thank, be thankful for that person and think about how wonderful they are to be around and what they bring to our lives. It can definitely fuel burning love. What about this? What about not getting stuck there, but once we begin to do that and discover and really begin to celebrate and ascribe to God those wonderful benefits, I believe God invites us then to move through that and begin to renew our mind. I believe that for love to grow, it's essential. This has to happen for our love to grow over a lifetime with God is that we need to be willing to renew our minds and to let the Holy Spirit do that. Here's why. I don't know about you, but I believe that one of the biggest dampeners of our love for God is the way that life can deal crazy things at us. And I I don't know if you've ever felt blindsided and sucker punched and completely hit out of nowhere 
with a situation in your life that you were like, whoa, what happened? And you're on your back going, I did not see that coming. I had no idea that was going to happen. Maybe you lost your job. Maybe you are in a situation where you find yourself separated from your spouse and, and divorce has been mentioned. Maybe you find yourself sick. I know there's folks right here in our church. I know folks that, that are struggling with a miscarriage and the grief that comes with that. Folks that are, you know, phase four cancer and struggling with that. Folks that, all kinds of things. Folks that are unemployed and have been so for months and months saying, God, when, God? God, I love you. God, I, I, I live for you. I, I belong to you. Why did you allow this to happen? What's going on? I don't know if you've ever felt that way, but I know that I have. And it's a crazy thing because, man, it can, it can do one of two things. It can move us towards God in dependence, or it can really harden our heart and begin to have us push away from God and have that burning love begin to grow cold and begin to die out. You know, they talk about two items that you can put in boiling water and each responds very differently to the exact same situation. I don't know if you've heard that. But you take an egg and you take a potato and you put them in two pots side by side, turn the heat up, and what happens to the egg? It gets hard. And the longer you leave it in there, the harder it gets. What happens to the potato? You leave it in that water, man, it begins to soften to where it's just... It's so soft and tender. Exactly the same situation, right? Exactly the same heat, exactly the same pressure, but two substances that have completely different results. I believe that God wants us to know, you know what? No matter what life hands us, we can make a choice to be a potato or to be an egg. We can make a choice to say, God, I know that the enemy meant this for evil, but I want to be a potato! (laughs) I'm going to be a potato, Lord! I want you to soften me through this experience. I want, I don't understand it. I don't have to like it. I don't have to be all jolly about it. But I want you to do a work in my heart that, that I can still thank you in the middle of it. I can still rejoice in my God. I can still declare with my lips, God is good. I don't know why this is happening, but God is good. And God will be honored in that and our love will grow. I got a text this week from a friend of mine, and she emailed me. She said, hey, I got, uh, my, my son contacted me and said a friend of his just had a miscarriage. And she's asking him, how can your God that you believe in allow that to happen? I thought he was a loving God. What happened? And it's obviously a, a very tough question. I don't mean to minimize the pain of it. I don't mean to minimize the hurt. I don't mean to in any way indicate that, that it's not a tough road to hope for those of you that have been through that. But here, I, I just happened to read an article on Facebook a day before, and it said this, don't go around saying that everything happens for a reason. And it was kind of a whole article written about that. Why? Because it began to explain, you know what? God never wanted those things to happen. Those aren't his will. But guess what? Way back in the day, God gave the keys to man to this planet and said, here you go, I am giving you authority I'm giving you, and I'm going to respect your authority to choose whose kingdom you want to live in and how this planet's going to work. And our ancestor, Adam and Eve, chose to say, we, we don't trust God. We want to see, and, and they handed the key over to the enemy, said we want to experience good and evil, have the knowledge of good and evil. Would you agree with me? We've tasted quite a bit of evil in the last several thousands of years. We've certainly had 
that experience and that knowledge of good and evil and the pain and the suffering and the sickness and the brokenness and the loneliness and the, the things that we fight with every day are not a part of like, oh, you sin, therefore God is doing this. It has nothing to do with that. It's the fact that we live in a broken world, in a world in which God didn't say, well, I'm going to entrust you with it, but if I see you're going to make the wrong decision, I'll take that key back, and I'm going to, you know, hold it together for you. He's like, hey, I'm giving you the authority to make a decision. And guess what? Even after we made it, and after it began to go awry, he still came in, not changing his own rules, but saying, you know what? I'm going to come. I'm going to become a man. I'm going to take on the sin. I'm going to take on the suffering. I'm going to take on all the guilt. I'm going to take on everything that made this wrong, and I'm going to make it right again. But it's going to happen one person at a time, and one decision at a time, and one day at a time, and one moment at a time of believing in him. So the reality is we do live in a broken world. We absolutely do. The reality, though, is that God is with us in the middle of that suffering. If you're here and you're suffering, Man, God wants you to know this. He is with you. He is for you, like we sang a few minutes ago. He loves you. He is holding you through this. He is, he is right with you, and he has not abandoned you for one second. And he wants to reveal his great comfort, his great love, his great faithfulness to you in the middle of the most testing times in your life. So that is just as much a reality as the fact that our world is broken that we have to go through difficult things. There's also reality that, you know what? He came to conquer that. He won the victory over sin and death. And guess what? We might experience it miraculously all at once sometimes. We might experience it over a period of time. There's times when we're like, wow, I, I don't know why. I'm not yet, what's going on, God? You know, I, I know you, you conquered sin. You conquered it. You know, you, you broke the curse. But no matter what our experience is, He's with us and he's for us and his love is faithful. And I believe that we can choose and say, Lord, I want my heart to be soft and pliable. Man, if we do that, if we renew our minds through that process, our love will grow and grow. Luke chapter 13 tells a parable of a fig tree and it says these words beginning with verse six. And he told this parable, a man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard and he came seeking fruit on it and found none. And he said to the vine dresser, look, for three years now, I have come seeking fruit on this tree, and I find none. Cut it down. Why should, I use, why should it use up the ground? And he answered him, Sir, let it alone this year also, well and good. Oh, excuse me. And then if it should bear fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. And here's the deal. You know, a lot of times in our lives, we see areas that aren't really bearing fruit, right? And it's an area that's kind of dead or it's kind of stagnant. And we're wondering what's going on. And maybe we even judge ourselves. Man, I can't believe. I don't know why I don't have joy like that person. Or I don't know why I don't have the discipline that person has. Or why I can't have faith like that person. Or why I can't, whatever. And the enemy condemns us. So we condemn ourselves. But I believe that God wants us to see through this. Is that he is willing and able and knowledgeable and skillful as the gardener. To take a step back and not just say, come on tree, what's wrong with you? Kick the tree, come on, bear fruit, you know. But in this parable, it says that the, the tree keeper and the garden keeper said, you know what, let me, let me put in some manure and let me tend the soil. And then we'll see if it begins to bear fruit. Because he understands that it's not just the tree, you don't kick the tree to get it to bear fruit. You change the environment. And you begin to do what you need to do to renew that thing so that it begins to bear fruit. And God wants you to know today 
that if you've been stuck somewhere and you feel like there's an area of your life that hasn't borne fruit in a long time and you're frustrated or you're discouraged or you're even feeling condemned or guilty about that, but man, he is the, the master gardener and he knows how to help you renew your mind, how to, how to step back and, and deal with the soil and, and provide the nutrients and the richness that it needs to be able to thrive and blossom and bloom. So how do we do that? How do we partner with God in the renewing of our minds? Here's the deal. This weekend's going to be Super Bowl Sunday. And there's companies that are paying $5 million to have 30 seconds of time in order to renew your mind. Right? About a particular product. They're like... I want to go out and buy dish soap. So, oh, I'm, oh, I'm going to go buy, you know, this one over here. They renewed my mind, right? I need to go buy a car. Oh, I'm going to go buy that car, right? And it's real. $5 million for 30 seconds of your time. Now think about this, the opportunity that you have. In one hour's time, you have the equivalent of $600 million of influence over your own mind. You're all wealthy. Woo! Yeah, come on. Come on, motivational speech. Yeah. $600 million for one hour of you partnering with God to renew your mind. What about this? 24 hours. You know, one day, everybody feel like you got a day? Day of time? I mean, you know, spread out 24 hours or one hour a day for 24 days. Do you know how much that is? It's the equivalent of $1.4 trillion of advertising time over your own mind. So think about that. One hour a day for 24 days or one 24-hour period. What kind of marketing power is that to partner with God and go, God, I don't know if this is enough, but we got $1.4 trillion worth of advertising time. What can you do in that amount of time? God's like, all right, I'll see what I can do with that budget. <laughs> and he will. He'll partner with us. He wants us to create an environment where we dig into his word, where we do what we were talking about earlier and, and discover and chew on the promises of God, the goodness of God, his benefits, but also let him renew our mind in the difficult times. And if we do that, if we create that environment, if we protect that, if we, you know, you might have to get Spotify and put on like little nature music like I do. Rain falling. Like, ah, yes, Lord. I feel you now, Lord. I hear you. Speak to your servant because I hear the rain falling. You know, whatever you have to do, get a cup of coffee or, you know, Pastor Evan gets a little chair and a little table, you know, and he has his little area where God speaks to him and he communes with God renews his mind. But let's partner with God and take advantage of that. If we ingest God's truth, God will do the miraculous and transform us. And that burning love will begin to grow. That's like putting that kindling in there and really that fire begins to spread, begins to become stronger. But if we really are going to love God for a lifetime, if we're really, and, and you guys know this, anybody who's been around and you've been in a relationship and a friendship and a marriage, it's like if you want it to go for the long haul, We've got to do more than just feel those positive feelings and celebrate the benefits and, you know, all that. We've even got to do more than renewing our mind, right? And allowing the tough times to actually draw us closer together and allowing faith to grow in us. But I believe that we've got to do this. If we really want to go a lifetime and grow in burning love, we've got to burn the ships. We have to burn the ships. In the year 711 A.D., there was an uh, Islamic general named Tariq Ibn Ziyad. Did I say it right, John? I don't know. Hopefully. Close enough. And this gentleman 
was commissioned by his ruler to come up through Morocco and up the Strait of Gibraltar into the southern part of Spain and conquer as much of the southern part of Spain as he could. And uh, uh, I believe it's Roderick was the uh, king of southern Spain in that time. And he had 100,000 soldiers at his disposal. And Tariq had 7,000 at his disposal. But when he got there, he assembled them all on this hill. And he said, boys, we're not going back. So I don't know what y'all need to do to psych up for this and to, you know, whatever. <laughs> Slap yourself. Yeah. Oh, yeah, who's the man? You're the man. You're the man. Who's the man? You know, who's the warrior? You know, whatever you have to do. But he commissioned all the ships to be burned so they had no escape. And it was like, we are going forward. That's it. And I don't know if it's because of that, but something happened in the hearts of those 7,000 warriors where they went on and they achieved victory and they conquered several different cities in southern Spain. If you see here about Granada and Seville and Cordoba, which incidentally Qdoba got its name from. Anyway, but um, you go to those cities and still to this day, you see mosques, you see architecture, you see the Alhambra, which is one of the most famous buildings in all of Spain. It was by the culture of those Moors that invaded Spain and occupied it for 400 years. Here's the deal. God is saying, if you truly want to possess my promises, if you truly want to inherit all I have for you, if you truly want to develop a love that is burning hot and growing over a lifetime, we've got to stop waffling. We've got to stop trying to have it both ways. Listen to what uh, the words are of James, chapter 1, verses 5 through 8. It says this, If you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and He will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Whoa. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything they do. <whistles> Strong words, right? Such a person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. They're a double-minded person, unstable in all their ways. Oh my goodness. I believe that God wants us to take that to heart and go hear in that the invitation and the call to burn the ships, to go all in with God, to say, Lord, whatever you want from me and for me in this life, that's what I want. I recently was having a conversation with someone who's contemplating divorce. And I walked away and I was saddened because as much as we were talking and I was trying to you know, encourage them and give them hope and everything else for the marriage, but I felt like they were kind of like, had, had a, they were trying to build two different things at once, you know? They were kind of coming over here with some two-by-fours. Yeah, you know what? God could do that. God, and then, oh, but I got my contingency plan over here, you know? And they were building this thing. Well, if it doesn't work out, then at least I have this and I'm going to live here and I'm going to do this. And it's like running back and forth, building two different things. And it's like, stop! Make up your mind! Build one or the other, but quit playing games. And I believe that God is crying out to us as a church, as his sons and daughters, to say, guys, to truly experience the power and my power in your lives, you got to burn the ships. You got to commit, right? We're a culture that I think thrives on non-commitment. I know I do when it comes to like, I recently switched TV plans and it was like 12-month commitment, no commitment, 24-month commitment, let me pray about it. Okay, I know which one. You know, I mean, hey, it's just the way we think, right? We're blessed, obviously, in this country to enjoy many good things with very little commitment. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. But when we transplant that mindset into the things of God, 
And we wonder why we're not getting the full bang out of our buck, so to speak, and inheriting his promises like he says we will. I believe God said, hey, it's because you got to go all in. you got to commit. you got to burn the ships, and you'll see the victories that I'll accomplish in your lives. There was missionaries, three missionaries, that started a, um, a mission organization in Sudan, and they had a heart for the sub-Saharan part of Africa. And um, these, these guys right here, and a lot of the, the uh, there was just outbreaks of malaria and fever and disease and all that kind of stuff. And the two gentlemen here, Walter Gallens and Tom Kent, passed away a few years after they went there in 1893. They passed away a few years after that. But the other gentleman, Roland Bingham, uh, came back to his country, couldn't go back because of health reasons, but he sent missionaries and they planted a, uh, a base 500 miles inland in Sudan. But here's what they would do. When they would go over there, they would literally pack their belongings in a coffin because they had no expectation of returning to their country upright. They knew they were going all out. They were burning the ships. They were saying, God, here I am. You can have me, Lord. Whatever it is, God, I'm all yours. And I believe that God is saying, you know what? We know in Hebrews 11 it says, without faith it is impossible to please God. And God is saying, no matter what you're going through right now, I want you to believe me, saying, God, I'm not going to have faith and go, eh, this marriage is done. I'll believe you for the next one. He's going, believe me for this one, the one that you're in right now. That's the one I want to work in. God, I just think this relationship has gone sour with my friends. There's bitterness. Believe me for healing there. God, I just don't know if you're going to come through this time with my healing. Believe me for this sickness. God, I just don't know, you know, I'm just so discouraged. I don't know if I can hold it together. Believe me for peace now, today. Not some other time in some other place, but now, here. It's where I want to show my power to you. If we'll hear that, we'll go all in with him. I believe that we're going to see some powerful things happen as we see him answer, as we see him prove himself faithful, as we see him, even in the difficult times, show us his great love. As we close and as Donnie comes forward, want to uh, encourage you in this. Um, read a book lately that talked about God's covenant with his people as a marriage. And it talked about the idea that, you know, there's a time in a marriage where you go to the, to the county courthouse and you get a, a, a marriage license, right? It gets, has an official stamp and it's all exciting. It's like, put your name on there. And Woohoo, we're getting married. Look, and we got a piece of paper and you, you know, get, take a selfie with it and all that kind of stuff. And it's very exciting. And it gives you the right to be married, right? And it kind of describes, I mean, I don't know, maybe there's a small print on the back, I'm not sure, but, you know, it describes like, okay, you're going to be married, like, you're probably supposed to live together or something, you know, whatever. Like, don't, you know, go spend too much money without telling the other person. I don't know, whatever the things are. And it kind of lays out what marriage is supposed to be. But how many of you guys would agree that piece of paper in and of itself is, really doesn't encompass all that the marriage is, right? It's, it's the license to an experience, it, it maybe sets the boundaries legally. It, okay, you can file taxes jointly. You can, you know, purchase property together. I mean, there's different, you know, you can leave an inheritance for your descendants and all that kind of stuff. But there's so much more to it. And in the Song of Solomon, we read a passage of Scripture that, that the, 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 the bridegroom is telling the bride, arise, wake up, come away with me. The winter is past. The spring has come. I can hear the song of the turtle doves. And we hear the heart of God for his bride saying, yes, you said a prayer. You put your faith in me. Yes, you committed your life to me. Awesome. That's the marriage certificate. 
That's the marriage license. It absolutely is binding and it's legal and it's powerful. But man, let's move into the marriage experience together. Let's enjoy the relationship. Let's have the intimacy. Let's have the love together. Because you know what? If we begin to do that, I believe the things that hold us back from the Lord will begin to fall away. And that's like putting those big logs on that fire. And that's when the true love over time, anybody been there? I mean, hey, almost 25 years for us. But it's when we see that, that love really come to a whole nother level. When we're doing life together and we're learning about each other and we're honoring each other and truly enjoying the friendship, deepening day by day. I believe that that's what God is calling us to. If you want to stand to your feet, I want to pray and then we'll let Donnie lead us in a song as we close. Here's the good news, guys. It's not lost. If you find yourself in a place where you're like, you know what, wow, God, I want that. Lord, maybe I've stepped away from that a little bit. In Revelation chapter 2, verse 4, God tells the church, hey, return to your first love. It's not lost. It's not like, oh no, I don't know where to. He's like, you left your first love. You walked away. Just come back. Come back and do the things you did at first. Because guess what? If you do that, if you, if you say, God, I want to celebrate your, your benefits. God, I want to renew my mind in you. God, I want to discover awesome things in your word. God, I want to go all in and burn the ships, God. Here I am. You know what? God's like, hey, I'm right here. I've been waiting for you. And I have great things planned. Come away with me. Let's surrender our hearts to the Lord. If God has spoken to you through this, maybe God's showing you maybe one of those areas to focus on or one of those areas that he wants to deepen. Let's just say, yes, Lord, here I am. God, I worship you. I want to pursue you. I want to experience that burning love that consumes every part of my being and that will fuel every other type of love that I have in my life. Thank you, Father, for doing this work in us. It's the work of your Holy Spirit. And we say yes to you. Do your work in us. In Jesus' name, amen.